Elevated Thoughts presented by Prescouter. We're having short discussions on big ideas in healthcare. I'm Jeremy Schmerer, and with me is Dr. Ryan LaRanger. It happens all too often that as we self-examine our bodies, we find that things occasionally don't feel 100% normal to the touch. Perhaps we've noticed a growth or a lump only to learn after seeking medical advice that the growth or tumor is found to be benign. But what even is a benign tumor? Why do they happen? And what can we learn from them? This will be our topic today. Ryan, let's start at a high level on what is actually happening when we have a benign tumor and how is it different from a a malignant tumor? That's a really good question. Uh, Normally when we talk about tumors, our main focus are on malignant tumors. Uh, Malignant tumors are ones that spread throughout the body. Uh, Benign tumors, generally speaking, are ones that don't. Uh, That's an overly simplified version of saying it, but basically the reason why malignant tumors cause damage isn't only because of the main site growing, uh, consuming nutrients, etc., but because it spreads to other parts of the body and creates additional growths in places, but, but from a sort of distributed single cell or small number of cells bud, which then expands and starts eating your bones, your uh, lung, your liver, etc. A benign tumor, on the other hand, is notable because it has stopped obeying some rules set by the body, but not all of them. So they will grow and in an unrestricted way, but slowly. Uh, and the most important feature of a benign tumor is that they tend to be uh, spherical, or uh, they have sort of a shape and they just grow in the confines of that geographic shape. So they're not having little outgrowths that spread out. And these have been known for a long time. Uh, you can recognize them on your skin if you have a mole, uh, just by way of example. That's a kind of benign tumor. So uh, regarding the shape, talk a little bit more about why that matters. I know you mentioned what started to sound like you know, the malignant tumors will metastasize and spread, but why does the shape of the benign tumor, why does that part matter? This gets into an interesting form and function biology question, right? Um, So when you are thinking about shape, you have to keep it. So doctors have been looking at tumors for a long time. And if a tumor is benign or not benign, changes the treatment dramatically, right? If it's benign, you can snip it out, uh, and it's relatively safe to do so. If it is malignant, you need to use drugs, uh, chemotherapeutics, et cetera, which are, they have very nasty side effects, right? You don't want to take them unless you have to. So one of the ways we identify a uh, benign tumor is by sort of the shape and the way that it grows. And a way to think about it is kind of like this. Um, If you have a benign tumor, all the cells are still obeying some growth signals from the rest of the body, right? Particularly geographic ones. And so because they're obeying those rules and obeying those rules makes them not necessarily metastatic, the result will be a colony of cells that have a uniform shape because none of them have had the mutations which can cause a cell to ignore those rules and start going in different directions. When cells start developing those mutations, the shape changes because they have cells that are ignoring those rules. Uh, At a high level, does that make sense? Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. My next question is kind of along those same lines of like, 
can a benign tumor be dangerous, even if it's been determined after a biopsy that it's non-cancerous? It can, but it depends on the kind of tumor and it depends on sort of where it is, the environment and a whole bunch of other factors, right? So there are some people who just have mutations in some of these, um, uh, let's say density sensing genes around a cell and so in, because they have a defect there, um, you, they will get growth. So there are some people who are prone to getting these benign tumors. They're not incredibly dangerous and they're not part of a mutation cascade, right? There are other spontaneously formed benign tumors which were caused by a mutation cascade. And let me define what I mean there. Uh, there are some genes, oncogenes, uh, which are more dangerous than others in that they're more likely to cause um, a runaway metastatic tumor. Many of those are things like P53 or what are called checkpoint genes. And what those do is they, uh, to make a long story very short, they are what the cell uses to check and make sure that they're dividing properly and that they're creating uh, the correct DNA for the next generation of cells. If you have a mutation there, what that does, or if P53 turns off or these checkpoint genes turn off, is your likelihood at each mutation of getting a further mutation, uh, each division, your chances of getting further mutations, which may eventually lead to metastatic cancer, go up. And so when you're looking at a benign tumor, one of the first things uh, hopefully a doctor will do beyond sort of looking at the shape, um, imaging it, we can talk about that a little bit later, is they'll look and see is there like a P53 mutation here? What are, are any of the sort of common worrying mutations present? If they are, they will monitor that more closely because it's more likely that that tumor will become metastatic. If not, then uh, obviously you still need to observe it and you should probably remove it as soon as you can, but it's less immediately urgent. Understood. And so if it is determined that it's not dangerous and it's not setting itself up for that mutation pattern that, that you described, will they go away on their own? <sighs> I mean, I know surgery, depending on the, the location, could be pretty unpleasant. It, or, you know, if someone has to go under uh, anesthesia, are there reasons to say, let's follow it and leave it alone? Yeah, Again, yeah, not yeah. Medical <laughs> advice. Not medical advice. Not a doctor. Well, yeah. a doctor in genetics development and biology. Not a doctor. Medical doctor. Um, that's going to depend on such a huge array of factors. I mean, uh, uh, for instance, just the size and the nature of the benign tumor. Um, benign tumors are somewhat unique, right? It's There's not a great deal of overlap. And so this is something where a doctor will look at it and say, ask about things like, for instance, what's the blood flow, right? What's the shape? How, what is the rate of growth? Uh, because even if the benign tumor will never uh, metastasize for whatever reason, or even if its likelihood is really low, uh, there are instances where, for instance, there are benign lung tumors where they expand enough, they start blocking off your trachea, right? Eventually, that's a big problem. <laughs> But it's, this is all a very long-winded way of saying it kind of depends. Right. So it, depending on its location, it could 
you know, have risk that is not necessarily associated with having cancer. It could be other things like you mentioned. Just with a mechanical lung. problem, if nothing um, else. Yeah. But I mean, some people have like for, moles and whatever that they wind up keeping their whole lives and it never causes an issue, but you keep an eye on it. For sure. So then let's get back to what you mentioned about imaging techniques and even perhaps other ways to, to really understand is the tumor or the growth benign or cancerous, you know, maybe without a biopsy, without going in there, what's innovative in the detection and the imaging uh, as it relates well, to Well, apparently I have to mention AI all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> go right ahead. Basically, no, I, uh, <laughs> it's so there are a number of new methods that are being used to try. And so remember before I said, uh, form and function with benign tumors versus malignant tumors are important, right? Um, and so benign versus malignant tumors have some other differences too. One of the big ones is metabolism, um, oxygen consumption, and so on. So just to rattle off a couple of quick and interesting things that are happening in the space, uh, there is one group that's working on a hypoxia radioactive marker to detect changes in oxygen consumption in sort of uh, tumors, because that's one way you can image in a, uh, let's say, less invasive way, um, whether or not there is the high oxygen consumption associated with malignant tumors, right? Um, so that's one less benign. Um, there's also uh, Fourier transform infrared spectrometry, which is being developed by another group that I thought was a little bit exciting. Uh, the idea here is you're generally speaking, uh, you're imaging the cell, you're looking at the state of not only sort of the shape, but the deterioration of tissue therein, right? Like, is there a necrotic core? Are there some of these other elements? And you can detect using machine learning uh, patterns <laughs> in that in order to develop a effectively recommendation as to whether or not this is benign. Uh, this is still in relatively early stages and it's for ovarian, ovarian cancer, but I thought it looked relatively interesting. Uh, another one, and this is more, I'm not going to say bog standard machine learning application in healthcare, but there are some groups that are uh, looking at brain cancer and they're using MRI images in order to determine or uh, determine with some degree of certainty whether or not that tumor, not only does it exist, but also is it benign? Because, and this gets back to your earlier question, which I think is very important, um, you don't wanna do brain surgery unless you have to. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> and uh, that brain surgery is a case where if it turns out the tumor is benign, or at least is pretty benign, that can change the calculus a little bit. Right, I think we'd all rather not be cut open to be graphic, um, you know, we'd rather not than, than have it have to happen. So I, I'm with you on that. And I think it's, it's a good, it's a good clarification. So, Hey, you know, I think that's a good place to probably leave it for now, knowing that there's a lot of development and there are some exciting things that make this a little bit more precise and keep people in a place where if you have to go in and, and take something out or have to start therapy, there's a lot of certainty behind it. And that that is still something that's improving. Is that a fair place to leave it? Definitely. And I mean, the only other thing I would add is uh, the 
robustness of this kind of detection, especially as we move more into things like liquid biopsies, earlier detection of um, tumor genotypes, right? Sort of the single cell sequencing stuff and everything else as we're developing more of a personalized medicine paradigm in cancer. These tools vis-a-vis or these tools around the concept of detecting benign tumors will be an important part of that portfolio because that can actively effectively act as a gate. Like what do they need? Potentially. Absolutely. And I know liquid biopsies are something that we've discussed before. And I think we probably will dedicate uh, an entire episode to those because I know there's, there's much to say about that topic. Oh yeah. So, all right. That will be all the time we have for today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, find us on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher uh, for subscribing to the podcast. We're typically doing one episode per week. We love to hear feedback. We love when uh, folks will suggest topics that are of interest to them for one reason or another. Um, next time we'll be discussing bacteria. So until then, thanks for listening. Thank you.